so uh, there we'll talk about the cleansing of the temple, and that is in um, John two thirteen through twenty five. So, um, all right. So I guess we'll start by reading this, and then we'll go from there. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the uh, money changers' uh, money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered him and said, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. He had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Um, the uh, the first uh, this is the first cleansing of the temple the second cleansing occurred during his final week prior to his crucifixion the, the, the last week as it's called and he dr- again drove out the money changers after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem this time the Jews tried to destroy Jesus in the second cleansing but as we'll see in this first cleansing, they merely asked what, by what authority he had cleansed the temple. For a reading of the second cleansing, you, you can turn to Mark 11, 15 through 19. And it's also recorded in Matthew 21, 23 to 27. And in Luke 19, 45 and 46. But this week, we're going to be studying about the first cleansing and focus on it. Uh, in the reading we just had. Um, Now this is just a little background. In fact, there's quite a bit of background that Brother Mazzalago has in this lesson. This is the third temple. Uh, Solomon had built the original temple. We know this. David wanted to, but he was a man of war, so God uh, uh, had his son Solomon and it was a very peaceful time. Well, that's when the, uh, third, the first temple was built. Then there was the temple of Zerubbabel, who, was, who built that in, uh, after the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, following their repopulation of Jerusalem and Judea. Then the second temple was, was uh, built. Not as grand as the first temple, but... Again, it was a very nice temple. But uh, this temple is 
you can either call it a third temple or a reconstruction of the second one because uh, Herod had this built in approximately like 28 BC. It said it took 40, 40, uh, 46 years to build. So it was uh, along the time that Jesus was uh, starting his ministry, you know, it was completed, already been completed, or about to be completed. Um, there was a reason that Herod built this temple. Um, he was a half Jew, so he didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, they didn't look on him as a, a, a good authority for the Jews in a lot of ways. So he did this to try to get political favor with the Jews. So um, it was a magnificent temple. It, had, it was very large, and um, of course it was destroyed in uh, 70 AD. Uh, let's see if we can advance these slides here. Okay. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who were selling oxen, sheep and doves, and money changers seated at their tables. That's, uh, that says it's 13 through 24, but it's only 13. Uh, Jerusalem is south of Galilee, and a person is said to be going up to Jerusalem because nations went there annually for the Passover, and it was considered a pilgrimage. Uh, and it, and uh, Josephus says that it was an estimated three to four million people who made this pilgrimage every year. So it was quite an event to come there. This is a picture, uh, an artist rendition of the court of the Gentiles. And this is where the money was being exchanged or for, uh, for animals and whatnot. The court of it was symbolically the entrance court where all nations could gather and pray to the God of all nations. And it was the largest court and was uh, separated from the court that only the Jews and priests could enter where the uh, Israelites were, the true Jews. So this is where they had set up shop. And we'll talk about in a few minutes what was wrong with that. Um, this is what is called Solomon's porticos. And this, all these are artist renditions because as we know, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD and only the West Wailing Wall is left there. Um, but this is Solomon's porticos where Jesus did much of his teaching at the great colonnades. Uh, these are like Roman columns that were there and uh, it was a meeting place for early Christians. Um, it's recorded in Acts 3.22, where the healing of the lame man uh, there with Peter when he'd done that. Uh, and after the aftermath of Acts 5.12, the apostles performed many miracles. So this is where that all that occurred. Um, let's see. This is an artist's rendition of the royal court of Herod. And it's on the south side where Jesus sat among the Jewish scholars and explained the Mosaic law at age 12. So and this is recorded in Luke 2.46. So this was really, had to really be something to see back in those days. Um, you know, to have Jesus there and, and uh, you know, 
explaining what the law meant, um, these Pharisees and uh, they, you know, scribes and Pharisees, they just, you know, they didn't have any authority behind their speaking. They spoke as if they were just re regurgitating, for lack of a better word, what the uh, law said and what their uh, interpretation of it was. But Jesus, he was able to tell exactly what it meant and because he he's the one who wrote it, you know. Um, this, this is uh, the artist's rendition of the temple area where it was considered very holy and it increased in holiness as you entered the center of the temple containing the Holy of Holies. Uh, only the high priest could enter there. And separation of these areas was done according to who was permitted to enter each area. So you had the, the Holy of Holies and the Most Holy Place there. The Holy Place, uh, Holy of Holies, Most Holy Place. So all of that was there. Um, these were the gates and there were many gates. I think there were eight gates to enter the temple. Uh, one of them was the pilgrim gate, and this led to the court of the Gentiles for their festivals, and there was a large pool of water which existed for washing prior to entering the temple. Uh, you know, this purification of the Jews thing that we talked about last week. Um, was was there. Uh, you know, this was a place for them to wash. And also there's a pilgrim road which led to the pool of Siloam. That, you know, we read a miracle we know that a miracle occurred there at, at later on in the Gospels. To to the gate of the pilgrims, which was a third of, mi of a mile away. This is also the area where Peter preached his famous first sermon in in Acts chapter two. And um, the, there's a tradition that the, that the, uh, the 3,000 that were baptized or saved that day were baptized in this uh, pool of water that existed there. So um, this was a very famous area right here. Um, this next slide is a closer look at that. Uh, you can see... Uh, I don't know what they've, he's got there, a couple of kids playing or something. But anyway, this is just a closer look at, look at that. Um, as a washing pool uh, and Acts first, uh, the first sermon in Acts 2. So um, all of these must have been something that was really, really something to see. Um, any questions before I keep moving on? A lot of this is not... It's just kind of a little background uh, on what these, what this temple looked like. Mark, uh, the pool where they would be baptized was like a, we would call it a cow dip, where they had the, they had so many steps and so big, similar up to a uh, football field. They'd go down so many steps and we'd like to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. They'd go under the water, then they'd start walking back up uh, as you pay for your knowledge temple. Wow. And so uh, that's how they were able to baptize so many people at one time. They used to go through this thing. Yeah. And, uh, it was already their custom to be baptized, to be purified. In fact, to become a proselyte, you was not a proselyte until you were converted or went through the water. Well, that's 
that's an interesting uh, take on that, but Mike, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there are Old Testament uh, accounts of, of going into the water, of course, Naaman and, and uh, the cleansing there that he went through, uh, baptized, being, being uh, cleansed in the River Jordan seven times, but that's another good rendition of that, a good example of that. Um, this is Herod's temple and uh, rendition of it. Uh, it's got the north gate, the west gate, the holy of holies. It's it's many different uh, places to the passage passages to the courts, the priest court. There's an altar there, women's court, beautiful gate, and the golden gate. We'll discuss a little bit about some of these. Um, the golden gate or the eastern gate was the main entrance to the temple area. And it was the approach or the area overlooking the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, if you ever want to have some fun, go on, go on Google Earth and uh, just go to the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And you can kind of take a tour of all of these areas right here. Of course, the temple's not there, but the Wailing Wall and the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Mount, Mount of Olives, all of that's there. And the supposed tomb of where Jesus uh, was, was placed, uh, they, they, you know, I think it was Constantine's mother in the 300s A.D. supposedly went and uh, found out where she thought or a lot of these areas were. And they have all of these marked throughout Jerusalem there. Um, I'd like to take a, a trip to the Holy Land someday and see a lot, a lot of this. It would really, really be interesting. But anyway, back to the uh, Golden Gate. This is the gate Jesus entered on a donkey for his triumphal entry. And according to Jewish tradition, the Messiah was supposed to enter, enter this. And uh, we'll see this right here in our next slide in Zechariah 9, 9. This is a prophecy of it. Uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a coat, the foal of a donkey. Um, so that was in Zechariah 9, 9. That's the, that's the uh, prophecy of that. And then... Um, Ezekiel 44, 1 two, through 3 has another prophecy that, and then he brought me back by the way of the outer gate of the sanctuary which faces the east, and it was shut. Lord said to me, This gate shall be shut, it shall be, not be opened, no one shall enter by it. For the Lord God of Israel has entered by it, therefore it shall be shut. As for the prince, he shall sit on it by as, as prince to eat bread before the Lord. It shall enter by way of the porch of the gate, and it shall go by the same way. Uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but, uh, you know, this, this is a shut gate. Um, the, interestingly, when the, when the Muslims conquered Jerusalem in 1530 A.D., they blocked this gate with stones. This is the Golden Gate, and it's still blocked. Uh, and they planted a cemetery in front of 
of it to prevent the Jewish Messiah from entering because they thought the Messiah was going to come back again, um, you know, Jesus' second coming and all of this, that it was going to actually be like an earthly kingdom there. So they, they put a, a um, cemetery there. And they thought that from the, the Jewish thinking there was that, uh, you know, nothing unclean that they would, they would not enter, that he could not enter that way because they had a cemetery there. And, of course, that's in several Old Testament passages. Uh, for example, Numbers 19.11 is, talks about uh, not touching the dead or a corpse and that sort of thing. Um, this part of Jerusalem is still controlled by the Muslims, and the gate is still blocked, and the cemetery is still there, and there's a moss standing where the Holy of Holies once stood. Um, so little do they know that the Jewish that 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 Jesus has already entered that gate two thousand years ago during the triumphal entry. That scripture's already been fulfilled, but they you know they're still trying to make sure that Jesus don't come back through there, or that the Jewish Messiah won't be coming back through there. Um, this is again another art, artist rendition of the temple courts. Uh, women's courts, women weren't allowed to mix with the men in the temple area. They had their own area. The treasury was in this area with, the, the treasury that we're talking about here was in this area with 12 trumpet-shaped containers for voluntary offerings. Jesus was sitting opposite of the treasury when the widow put her two mites in. And Luke 12, 41 through 44 so this is that area. There's the court of Israel. Jewish men gathered here who were neither priests nor Levites, and they had their prayers there. Uh, there's the court of priests. Only priests could enter there. The altar of burnt offerings was animal sacrifice, where all animal sacrifices were made. And that's, this is a better look at that, where those sacrifices were made. Um, the next three areas of the temple were the holy, holy place, the uh, holy of holies, and the most holy place. Uh, the porch was the entrance way with a gold-covered uh, back wall and where there was a golden lamp that hung. Uh, there were two tables. There was a gold table and a marble table, which, was, which held the showbread eaten by the priest, uh, priest with a veil that blocked, uh, was in the background and that separated them. Um, the hall contained the golden altar, the golden table, frankincense cups, and a golden lampstand. Uh, priests offered incense here once in a lifetime for ordinary priests. And that was in, that's in Luke 8, 1, 8 through 23. And then we discussed the veil, a double veil separated the Holy of Holies from the, from the hall. Only the high priest could access the Holy of Holies and on the Day of Atonement, atonement once a year. Um, you might recall that the, um, that the uh, Holy of Holies originally had the uh, Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, rod that budded, and the uh, manna that uh, Moses 
that God gave the, the Israelites in the wilderness um, uh, within the Ark of the Covenant, and that's a rendition of it right there. But uh, as we well know, the Ark of the Covenant uh, has been disputed over for many, many years. Uh, nobody knows where it is or if it's still around. Uh, it's been the subject of movies and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, the last discussion of the uh, Ark of the Covenant was in Second Chronicles 35.3. So, you know, that was way back even, you know, before the destruction of Jerusalem. And so that's really a, you know, so what happened to it? We just don't know. It was probably destroyed. But, uh, you know, that's a subject of much, much, um, you know, dis uh, I don't know. It seems like it's always been something. There's, there's um, uh, you know, a theory that it's in Ethiopia in one of their uh, mosques out there or one of their um, churches there. There's all kinds of, of discussion over that, but. I don't know what it matters anyway because uh, we don't use the Ark of the Covenant in, in our worship and it's really, you know, something that's much, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the discussion in, I believe it's in the book of Jude, the last part of the book of Jude, where it talks about, you know, where's the body of Moses where they were, they were arguing over where, the, you know, the, the devil argued with um, I guess it was with an angel over where the body of Moses was. So what does it matter anyway, you know? But anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. But anyway, uh, this is the court of the Gentiles again. Converts to Judaism as well as, as the Gentiles could gather here but go no further under penalty of death. In fact, the only way that, a, uh, that the Romans allowed the Jews to uh, have capital punishment on their own people was if they violated this, if they went beyond these courts right here. Um, a little further discussion of that. Um, this is where Paul, Paul was almost killed in Acts 21 27 through 32, where he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the court of the Israelites. Um, arrows point to the signs, to these signs on either side of those arrows there that says no Gentiles allowed past this point. Uh, the word uh, chai, pronounced high, in Hebrew means life. So it says that if you, if you value your life, you don't go beyond these points right here. Um, this is the area that the money changers had set up in, and Jesus ran them out. It was used, it, it used to be done outside the court of the Gentiles is where the money was exchanged, but over time they had moved this inside of the actual court of the Gentiles, and that's what Jesus was, that's one of the things that Jesus was upset about. Um, this is the Antonia Fortress, and it was named after Mark Anthony. We all remember studying about him and uh, Shakespeare plays and that sort of thing. He was a good friend of Herod, and 600 Roman soldiers were housed here 
and an underground passageway to the court of the Gentiles. Uh, there was no longer a king in Israel. Of course, long ago, there was that, that vanished. That was gone. So the Jewish high priest was under the rule of the Romans. Um, I thought this was interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know this. Um, the Jewish high priest was not even allowed to house the robes of, of, robes of the high priest. The Romans held these robes in their towers and only allowed them to be given to the high priest on the holy days. So that's how much control the Romans had over the, the Jews and in their religion. Uh, Jesus was questioned by Pilate in this area and was tortured by Roman soldiers before being handed over to the Jewish leaders. So, so now we kind of get finally to the meat of the lesson here. Uh, a temple tax had been levied, um, levied and, co and collected by everyone 20 years or over prior to the Passover. The pilgrims attended from afar and had to have currency from their country converted to shekels in order to purchase animals for the sacrifice. Uh, these transactions uh, took place outside the temple walls originally, as I had said, and now they were setting up inside of the court of the Gentiles. Uh, this rendered the court of the Gentiles unclean. And even though the court of the Gentiles was a small part of the temple, they had defiled it. It caused all the, the uh, temple to be defiled. Uh, merchants were changing, charging excessive fees to exchange their uh, native coinage into temple shekels. They also refused the animals the, the pilgrims had brought on their long journey and said that they were spotted in many cases, no matter whether they were spotted or had anything wrong with them or not. So, you know, this, this had turned into a money-making scheme and, and a, you know, a, a corrupt thing for sure. They all, and as I said, they charged excessive fees for the ones that they did have to purchase, and they were already at a disadvantage, many of them, because they come from a long ways. So... You can see where Jesus was very upset about this and he ran them out of the court of the Gentiles and gave the priests, uh, the, the, the merchants had to end up giving the priests part of their profits. So that's further corrupted this situation. Uh, you can only imagine what our righteous Lord thought about this. He was not happy at all. Uh, just this is just some of the same scriptures here. He made a scourge of cords and drove them out of the temple with sheep and the oxen, oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling doves, he said, "Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business." Um, digress a little bit here. You know, we don't really want want. There's nothing holy about our building here. But, you know, it's probably not a good idea for some of our younger kids to be selling things in the, in, in the building itself. Maybe that, that needs to be done off the premises a little bit. But, uh, you know, it just kind of gives a bad impression, you know, uh, about that. So, anyway, I'm not going to say too much more about that. But, okay. 
physical and spiritual, and there's some a symbolic translation there for us. But you know, you see um, churches today. Like, I don't want to say like you know church size in Midway, but you see like these mega churches and all these things who operate more as businesses and corporations than they do as places of worship. Yeah. And I think that may be a lesson you can take from this really too is that we're not in the business of business, right? We're not mm-hmm. for profit. We're not trying not, to make a profit. Right. No. And so, you know, what you know, what the, what is the modern day equivalent to what the father's house is? Well it's it's the church, the people, right? Mm-hmm. And if we if we are co opting our mission, you know, and our efforts to to make some sort of profit or make some personal gain. That's right. You know, either corporately or I guess even individually if you think about it. Um, I think we're probably falling into a, a symbolic yeah, similar type of thing where we're taking the father's spiritual house but we're making it a place of business if we're using it for our own purposes and our own um, I completely you know, agree. personal advancement, advancement profit, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And of course when we talk about those things, it's easy like, oh, the televangelists and oh, the megachurches. But it is something to keep in mind. You know, yeah. When you come here and you do work, why are you doing it? Right? What's your, what's your rationale? Are you trying to advance your own interests? Or are you going about the Father's business? It's the glory of the Lord is what it's supposed to be, isn't and, it? And that's, that's being the church, right? That regardless of where you are, you know, why, are you, why are you serving? That's exactly right. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. And he was talking about he was going to Nashville, and uh, I think there was a Baptist church up there that's in downtown Nashville, and they were charging ten dollars um, for people to park in their parking lot through the week. And you know, I'm sure that was going in their treasury. And and you know, we talk about car washes and that sort of thing. Of course, the none of that is. Scriptural, but I thought, well, you know, there's another classic example of somebody trying to make extra money there, you know. So, very good point, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Probably what happened here is it started with good intentions. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that when it started, there really were people that were just bringing pre approved uh, sacrifices and they were just trying to help and be a convenience to people wanted to worship, it probably evolved into this time. Right, right. It's like anything else, you know, you start off with something very, you know, good intentions and then it just gets worse over time or becomes a, a negative thing over time. Um, so those, yeah, good points there. Um, let's see if I need to advance the slide here. Mark. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, the previous slide, you know, to put this in layman's terms, uh, it caused a big ruckus. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> do you know he, uh, there was a lot of attention brought to him and what was going on, and I'm sure even the Roman guards, they were, you know, coming out to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
This wasn't a normal occurrence by any stretch of imagination, was it? Uh, Larry? Righteous indignation in any way, in any, uh, by any means anyway, wasn't it? You know, there's been talk about over the years that he, he may have, you know, actually used the whip on people. I don't believe that was the case at all. It doesn't say it. It doesn't say that happened. Uh, I, I imagine it was just the animals. I think that's what it says. And, you know, it didn't, it, it, you know, the, the Bible says, "Be angry and sin not." In, that, in Ephesians four twenty six, so Jesus was basically uh, showing that he was in charge and that he did not agree with what is happening here. Another thing that it kind of proved, um, and I, I won't read these other verses since we've already read them, but as Jesus wasn't a weakling, you know, a lot of people. But the paintings and whatnot of Jesus show that he was a very skinny person and that sort of thing. But, you know, he drove out all these uh, uh, money changers and, and uh, animals out of the temple. And, uh, you know, he had been working as a, a carpenter for probably 30 years. So he wasn't a weakling. You know, Luke 2.52 says that he grew in wisdom and stature in favor of God and men. So he showed his humanity and his divinity here by being righteously uh, indignant in this situation. And, um, you know, and also showing that he had the authority. Um, trying to speed up a little bit here because I'm going to try to finish. Um, Verse 18 says, The Jews asked him, By what sign do you show us your authority to do these things? And Jesus said, Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. The Jews thought that Jesus would perform a sign or a miracle to prove that the money changer shouldn't have been there. And, you know, some, some uh, authorities have said, that they might have even thought that Jesus was going to zap them away or something, you know, some miracle to show that they shouldn't have been there. But, you know, Jesus didn't, that's not what he did. Um, uh, it talked about, Brother Mazzalago did, that many of the things that the Jewish Jews practiced were done until Elias comes. And, of course, they take that from the fourth chapter of... Uh, Malachi, where they talked about, you know, that there would be a messenger. And so they thought, well, they were just going to do things until this uh, prophet came and set up the way things will be in the future. So they were sitting back seeing if Jesus was about to do a miracle to zap these people away to prove that 
He was the one in charge of it. Right, he did. He did. Yeah, we're going to get into that right quick in, in, the, few, in the few seconds I got left. Uh, of course, it talked about in verse 20 that uh, 46 years it took to build the temple, but uh, he was speaking of the temple of his body. And of course, the, the apostles, the disciples realized that uh, when his ministry was up and he was crucified. Um, yeah, he was talking about the temple of his body. Uh, he was not talking about the temple itself, but as we'll, we shall see later on in uh, 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed, and he was kind of given a sign for both of those. Really, he, the, uh, the the Jesus was resurrected in uh, you know three days after his crucifixion. And also, the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. And only the Wailing Wall remains there today. It's all rubble. And there's still, you know, archaeological uh, excavations going on all around it. And um, Brother Mazzalago uh, talks about how the genealogical records of the Jews have all been destroyed. And nobody really knows, you know, which tribe they came from. There was approximately uh, 1.1 million Jews killed, according to jo Josephus, in the destruction of Jerusalem. And uh, this, this was the, the sign uh, there that, 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 that you just mentioned that Jesus really meant there. And that, that Judaism was not really supposed to last. And of course, in Colossians 2.14, it talks about that, the, you know, that it's been abolished. And this, this temple has never been rebuilt. And today, there's a mosque on it. And this is the uh, temple mosque here. And a lot of the Jews still think that there's going to be a temple rebuilt there. But um, that's not what the scriptures say. So that's about the, all that I was going to try to get to today. Uh, that's the last verse. And I guess the only other thing I really want to say is that he didn't take them into himself. What does that mean? He, um, Jesus was very much a, tr uh, 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 did not want to, um, there was a lot of disbelievers who were just believers for the moment, just like they were when the uh, five loaves and two fishes were, uh, you know, made, made a meal for them. They believed right then, but they didn't believe overall. And uh, Jesus was letting them know right there, or, or this verse is saying that he, you know, he didn't uh, really t trust a lot of them because he knew what their heart. So we'll leave it right there. We're out of time, and I guess uh, the next teacher will be doing uh, chapter three uh, next week. I appreciate the comment and, and your.